0: Hi, my name is Hermine Hartman and this is a special edition of Indigo Studio COVID-19. Today we're going to talk to business people and how they have survived, how their businesses have changed, how they will stay changed during this pandemic. Uh, Our guest, Mr. Eric Williams, who is a wonderful chef, if you've not been to Virtue in High Park, you should go, it's great, great food. Mr. Williams, thank you so much for being with us, and uh, congratulations on all of your awards and being one of the best chefs, not only in the city, but in America. How did your business change? How did Virtue change with COVID-19?
1: Well, COVID-19 caused a series of effects. First and foremost, we had a decrease in business in the tune of about 75%. Um, as we went into shelter-in-place and were allotted or, or as we were um, categorized as essential employees. So it had a dramatic effect in that way. Um, the amount of stress as it relates to operating any business is already um, um, quite a bit. However, with, with the concerns around safety, the concerns around um, uh, procedures and processes and what we were able to do and what we couldn't do, how to interact with guests. Um, it, it, was, it was pretty overwhelming. How did you pivot? Did you just
0: stop business or did you start doing something new?
1: Well, we started doing something new and, 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 and the immediate was uh, what we set out to do was make sure that our team was in a position to sustain themselves. And so where some businesses chose to furlough right away, we went immediately into takeout, which was an option for us. And that takeout was not done to be profitable. It was done solely so that we would have revenues coming in, that we would be in a position to create a, a strong nest egg for our, our team, and also so that the team itself were in a position to um, um, create savings really rapidly.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, Barbara, Barbara Bates is a fashion designer, Couturier, and I have a wonderful closet full of Barbara Bates designs. And now we are doing masks. So Barbara, you went from fashion to making designer masks. Is that proper to say? Uh, Kind of, sorta. Okay, <laughs> all right. So tell us how this affect how COVID-19 affected your business and what you did to survive.
2: Uh, it's actually been a, a bittersweet situation when, um, you know, they started the shutdown. Um, I was more than ready to take a break. I had just lost my mom several days before we were wow. sent on the shutdown. And so I was still looking for time to just try to sort all of that out. And um, while at home, all you could see on the news is how first responders didn't have enough PPE equipment, especially masks. They were reusing masks, wearing them over and over. And the fact that they needed to have a mask, that was like the huge thing on the news. And I really didn't even like look at that. I didn't look at it to say that, oh, I could do something. But a friend of mine um, called and said, you know, that's something that you could like go right into. You should start making the mask. But I really wasn't interested. I, I had no interest in anything at that point because I was still trying to wrap my head around, you know, um, my broken heart for my mom. And then a second friend called me who I really um, respect, not that I didn't respect the first one, but a second call came through with the same kind of converse, conversation. And at this point, um, it, I had been in the house for like four days. I just found myself, you know, just constantly eating. And I thought, okay, yeah, maybe I could do some uh, some equipment. And then I just saw like just people all over the U.S. and just people um, just so was just so hardened by all of this. And there was something I could do since I had those things in place, sewing machines and people who could sew. So the first thing that I did was I called people to ask them, could they come in and work for a week and sew for free? Because I didn't have money to pay them with. And I was going to give this to um, two hospitals, one being um, Jackson Park and one being Sinai Hospital. And uh, I had no idea even how to make a mask. I I mean, I had no idea of anything about it. I had about five people who said they'd come in to help out I reached out to a few fabric people and asked them to donate fabrics. And we started that day, you know, trying to come up with a pattern on masks that would either look similar to the um, surgical mask that the nurses wore with the pleats, Uh, and, you know, find the right elastics. Everything uh, was pretty much closed. There were no stores to go to, but um, I have favor, and I have a nephew that works at Fishman's, who's the manager, and he was able to open up the store and let me in to get some of the things that I needed, so we started. And that day, after, like, five or six of us, you know, getting together and putting it together, by the end of the day, we had five masks ready. Not 500, but five. We could not figure out, like, you know, like, really, everybody kept showing me designs, I'm like, no, that's not right, that's not right. But actually, probably like, by the end of the week, we had probably close to maybe uh, five or 600 masks. And I was gonna separate them and give them to Jackson Park and Sinai. Jackson Park, actually, I got a phone call from someone who said, we're not gonna be able to accept your masks because uh, we just don't really know anything about them and you know how you're making them and they're not up to the standard or the codes that we need for hospitals. And we just don't wanna get in any kind of trouble. So we're gonna pass on your gift. And so I felt some kind of way about that because I was like, you know at the end of the day you guys are really researching what this is all about if you look further into it you could take a mask that's just made out of toilet paper or anything put it over the mask you already have just to save it and give it a little more life since you're saying that you guys are wearing the mask over and over again and since you did call me a second time to say hey where are those masks i know it was needed but they passed on the mask i gave all the masks to sinai but that also prompted me to find out what makes an incredible mask and i did that a friend of mine helped me i found out what is the N95 made from? Why is the N95, why is everybody keep screaming N95, N95? And what makes the N95 so special is something called a MERV rating, a minimum efficiency required ratio value that has to go, it goes from one to 16 and 16 being the highest. And I found a manufacturer who was actually making the product, who had a patent pending on it and who would shave it, make it thin enough for me to make it and put it into fabric. And so I decided to um, you know, bite the bullet. Um, my friend said, "I know you've given them away to the hospital, but hey, the police officers need them too. And I'll front the first, you know, uh, footage of buying the fabric for you, and of uh, buying the filter for you, and then you guys make them." I wasn't about to ask my employees to come back and work another week for free so we actually went to my foundation website which raises money as you know for prom kids and breast cancer and i asked people to help us raise money to make the mass and we did raise money we were able to give away thousands of masks to the police department i was able to reach out to the community for people who knew how to sew who i did not know um, who could just make a straight stitch and we can make the rest of it happen and through social media through the television um response that we got uh, i was able to hire about Thirteen people um, to come and help us make masks, and that's kind of where we're at today. And I, I want to say that as as each day and each week went by, I, I became more competent and I became better with the mask. What kind of elastic? How much elastic do you use? What kind of fabric? And people were making all of these beautiful fashion masks, but at the end of the day, they mean nothing if they don't have a filter. Mm.
0: Thank you. Now, Noel DeFrisio is a co-owner of um, a distillery no less Chicago distilling and you make gin and vodka yeah how did we move from liquor to sanitizer how did you do that I thought that was just so when I read it I was like I got to meet her how did you do that Noel
3: what prompted uh, you like everyone else, you know, when, when uh, the pandemic hit and the lockdown or the shutdown kind of happened, um, we went into that mode of, you know, survival mode almost. What do we do? Um, you know, let's kind of consolidate as much as we can. Um, we were working with uh, national organizations that uh, represent craft distillers and the FDA um, and... Um, working to figure out how craft distillers and distilleries across the country could take a product that we already know how to make, which is ethanol. Um, it's, it's what goes into, you know, ethyl alcohol. It's part of the process of distillation. Um, so we had you know, access to a lot of that um, product. And the FDA worked with us to kind of, you know, distillers across the country to come up with a formula that was um, created by the World Health Organization that allowed us to get a couple of different products into our distillery, um, add the ethyl alcohol that we already have and produce a a disinfectant, a hand sanitizer that's 80% alcohol. Um, You know, the hospitals all across the city, nursing homes everywhere went into a pretty big panic, rightfully so, um, because they didn't have access to this uh, product that was, you know, something that was going to be life-saving for a lot of people. Um, So we all, Scrambled really to get as much of the supplies and house that we needed. Um, gallon jugs was the easiest way for us to kind of package it um, and use pumps or spray bottles to get it out to people. Um, we also didn't want to just focus on first responders and healthcare workers because our community was, you know, at large. Um, was pretty frightened about all of this and um, needed access to it as well. You know, you couldn't walk into Walgreens, you couldn't walk into Target and get any sort of hand sanitizer or bleach. You couldn't get anything to disinfect your surfaces. Um, So we quickly went from, oh, I don't think we're gonna really do this to there was such a need for it that um, we worked as actually an organization across distillers around Illinois. Um, I'm head of the president of the Distillers Guild. Kind of grouped our distilleries together, put a, a put together a spreadsheet, and said, "What do we have? What do we need? Who are we trying to service? Who needs this product, and how can we get it to them?" So, um, we worked really hard in the first couple of months to uh, to accomplish that, um, and that was allowed us also to keep our front of house employees, which so our business is production, which we have spirits canned cocktails, ready-to-drink products. And then we have a tasting room where people normally would be able to come in, enjoy a cocktail. We have bartenders that work in that tasting room for us. Um, So like the restaurant and bar industry, half of our employees all of a sudden didn't have any work to do because we had to shut the tasting room down. Um, We transitioned them to working into our production side of our business, which kept all of our employees working, um, allowed them to probably make a little bit more money than they um, had been making in the
0: far side of our business. Um, so that was something that was important to us as well. Wow. So you did half gallon bottles and um, you did them for the hospital initially, right? And nursing so homes.
3: We started with, you know, first responders, um, the you know police officers couldn't get their hands on anything. Um, our EMTs, our neighbor is, you know, an EMT and they instructed us like no one can get access to any of this product. Um, so the hospitals were pretty well taken care of, um, with a couple other distilleries. So we focused on kind of the nursing homes, the first responders and the police officers that, um, didn't have that kind of network to be able to get that to them. And then we opened it up to our community about a month later. Um, we did one initial push to our community members. And then since then we've kind of let it be, um, open to kind of everyone to be able to purchase it, um, that needs it and try and, and, uh, provide as much as we
0: can. So, Mr. Williams, um, the store, the restaurants are now open. So, you've opened, however, you have restrictions. What are those restrictions to your business and how have you reopened?
1: So, currently, we've reopened. Um, Guests must wear a mask to um, get into proximity of us, i.e., the host stand. They must wear masks as they. Uh, move around outdoors and indoors in order to access their tables and to access inside the space, the restrooms. Um, They must um, agree that they have not had a temperature. So will
0: you you take their temperature upon entry of the restroom?
1: We are not taking anyone's temperature. Uh, we, We expect people to act in good faith um, and, and let us know if they've had a temperature or if they are ill. We have takeout um, as well. And that has given us an opportunity to service folk that are not in a position to eat. And uh, we have sanitizer available. We also have masks available in, in, in the case where someone has on a mask um, that's either not appropriate or if they have, have a mask or if they are without a mask. And sometimes we find with, with, you know, groups up to about four that one person may not be wearing a mask. Um, And so those are the processes that we're taking outside of the building, inside of the building. All of the cooks are washing hands a lot, like more than we've ever washed hands. Um, We do not carry food to a table without physically having gloves on. And so uh, we made a greater investment in terms of, of our PPE. Um, in addition to that, everyone in the kitchen is wearing masks. Um, and so those are the initial steps that we're taking.
0: How will business change forever for you? What will you do that, because of COVID, that you will continue to do? What will you do differently?
1: Well, it's, it's not as much a matter of what we will do differently um, as it, it has more to do with what new parameters and stipulations will come down by way of the health department. Um, <clears throat> restaurants are really managed with an extremely high expectation. And, and many of us would argue that we're probably better prepared outside of hospitals than any other group that handles products. There's a real legitimacy around the phrase, food poisoning. And seeing that we're in a position to physically harm people because they're ingesting a product, um, there's just a lot of extreme care taken, taken in restaurants, and definitely restaurants that I manage and operate, and alongside of the many colleagues that I have throughout our great city. So
0: we will be eating outside for a while. Yes. And then we will go
1: inside. What's the timeline look like? I'm not, I'm not exactly sure. So we, we try our best not to put too much stock in timelines, because as we've seen over the past you know, um, um, couple of months, things change pretty rapidly, and then they change back. Mm-hmm. If you remember, we were told that we didn't need to wear a mask, and then all of a sudden, everybody needed to have a mask on, mm-hmm. uh, because the ratio of contracting disease was much lower if two people had masks on, and so so we don't put stock in that. We 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 manage our business like the elders taught us to, one day at a time, baby, one day at a time. That's that's all we got,
0: right? That's all I we got. Have. I got a minister friend. He doesn't get to the day. He says we live by moments. <laughs> we live <laughs> one moment at a time. <laughs> Dion Williams, you are a PR person, a publicist, and also. Uh, event plan and this has really affected your business because events uh, were were canceled or and or postponed. What did you do to stay in business? How did you pivot?
4: Well, this hit, of course, has hit my business uh, very hard and on the event side. So I have the PR side and the event side. Uh, so it did hit me very hard. So on the event side, what we had to do was just really work with clients to see if they wanted to consider making their events virtual so they had a lot of questions we had to figure out how do we take all the event elements that me and you have done before herbie and make them virtual uh, everything from raising money silent auctions the party feel. so me and my team had to get together and figure out how do we take the live experience and make it virtual. So for those clients- Did you figure it out? (laughs) Yeah, so, so far those clients, the ones a lot of people did postpone to next year, uh, but there are some who still have their events, whether they were online galas, virtual galas, that's our thing, um, summits, panel discussions as we're having here. We were able to help them kind of uh, go through the process and make it still a brand experience uh, that they, people can enjoy. So
0: okay, so that's what you did for your clients, but you also did something for yourself in Beyond because you do you do
4: fashion is part of your repertoire. What, yeah, did, you, have what did you do? Tell me
0: what you did.
4: Yeah, so I have a fashion brand called Emerge Fashion Show that takes place during New York Fashion Week. And so on my PR side, uh, what we've done with other brands is telling people that content is king. So when people were at home and we have a captive audience uh, it is very good to be able to provide a ton of content so with my PR clients we've been doing a lot of content so whether it's using influencers to get the brand message out and products uh, we've been doing all of that so I decide for myself um, to provide content and that's what doing Facebook live shows with special guests on the fashion side so we've had Andre Leon Talley who was a former Vogue editor On the show and then we looking forward to different other people in fashion um, that I'm doing just to get the this helps people um, kind of bring more visibility and increase your brand um, in the different ways as we can't go out
0: thank you now Nicole will hand sanitizer now be a part of the product production of what you do for uh, your distillery for Chicago distillery will that just be a will that be another branch another entity so, of your business, uh, or will you stop?
3: Right. So, uh, at some point, we will stop. Um, we were so we're licensed by the federal government, the uh, TTB. Um, they granted us a privilege to be able to make hand sanitizer. It wouldn't be something that we normally would be able to do, um, and that expires at the end of this year. They had extended it. Um, it originally was until June 30th, and now it's December 31st of this year. So, you know there We're hoping that this is under control and we don't see a big second wave in Chicago or third wave, but um, you know, if there does become a, an extended need for it, we certainly will continue to make it um, as restaurants open as we go into um, to phase four from phase three. I think and schools reopen, there's certainly going to be a need for keeping everyone safe and our um, environment sanitized. So we'll continue to have product on hand to assist in any kind of those um, moving forward. But um, it's, we've started to focus back on the production side of our business, making our canned cocktails and our ready-to-drinks, which has become a a pretty big thing um, since COVID hit, people are kind of stuck at home. (laughs) So uh, that is where we've kind of turned our focus back to, but we do have plenty of stock of the sanitizers
0: Help us through the next couple phases. So we've been joined by Anna Mitchell, who is also in the wonderful world of eatery with a food truck. She's a caterer and has a food truck. How did COVID affect your business, Anna?
5: Hi, thank you for having me, guys. Um, and uh, we actually also have a kiosk that's inside the LaSalle Street Metro Station, hmm. which is where we do the predominant, where we predominantly do a lot of our. Uh, uh where well, we do a lot of our selling and it affected us a tremendously um because people because we to
0: work right
5: and absolutely i think there was at one point that the ridership for metro went down by 95 percent wow so as you can imagine that affected us tremendously and we actually ha- ended up having to close and so we uh sought after um private um catering gigs anything that we could possibly do but you know it was still problematic because people weren't really you know, trying to hire people because we, of course we're in the midst of this pandemic. So it's been a struggle, but you know, we're here.
0: <laughs> so did the food truck, now you got a food truck. So did the food truck continue? Did you did you continue to go on the street?
5: So no, we did not continue to go on the street because I was just kind of iffy. I had asked the city of Chicago and just other places where I was allowed to, and I wasn't really sure um, how we could get the food truck out there. And of course, you know, you certainly don't want to violate any of the uh food truck laws. Um, And then, of course, out in the uh, suburban area, they really weren't allowing you to come. And there was really no place for you to really go. Because again, um, if you're going to try and go downtown Chicago, there was no one there, you'd have to try. And so our strategy was, let's go to apartment buildings, but some of the apartment complexes weren't allowing you to go there. You couldn't go to business complexes because no one was there. So, you know, I know some people had been really strategic in how they uh, had their food trucks out. But you know, with us having the kiosk and and the food truck, it just seemed like we just couldn't, you know, there wasn't a cohesive um, uh, plan for us to just really get it out there so that we could continue to sell. And so what I ended up doing, believe it or not, was uh, working for Instacart. Cause you gotta, you know, you gotta Uh pay the
0: bills. Okay, so you, you, so business halted for you.
5: Business completely
0: halted for me for the last three months. Mm -hmm. Okay, so now with the reopen, you're back in business? The food truck is available? We're back.
5: Uh, yes, the food truck is available. We are back in business. We are, uh, but, you know, again, going downtown, it, it's still slow. Um, metro hours. Traffic
0: to build back up.
5: Right, right., um, uh, my first day was last Monday, and I think we had a total of ten customers that oh, came God. through right. <laughs> right. Right. But you know it's a, you know, I, you know it's it's just one of those things where we know we have to build back up. you know we have to just continue um just being there. We need them to know that we're still there. Mm-hmm. You know, that we haven't, you know, we're, we're still a part of the community, the metric community, and they can come in, they can get their goodies, and of course, letting them know that our food truck and stuff is still
0: there. And you do something mm-hmm. interesting for students with scholarships through your tip. Yes. Tell me about that. Yes. What do you do?
5: Yes, ma'am. So um, for the last two years, and we're very excited about this, uh, we just announced our scholarship winners for this year, and we'll do a, a virtual celebration for them next Saturday, or this Saturday coming up. Um, we have collected our cash tips um, from all of our customers who come and we give them to our college students or we give them to students who are graduating, excuse me, we give them to African-American graduating seniors who uh, aspire to be entrepreneurs. We're trying to build that whole, you know, be that entrepreneur, go out here, start your own business. Mm -hmm. And so the scholarship is primarily for those who either want to pursue their college degree or if they, they're not interested in going to college, they want to pursue a trade school, or let's say they're not interested in doing either, but they have a plan. Um, they have a business plan, so it's seed money for them. If they'd like to start their business or if they have an existing business, they can use that money for that. And so this year, we're excited that we were able to award five students. And um, it's not a huge amount. We have three $1,000 winners and two $500 winners. And then all the rest of the uh, applicants get $100 because we want to keep that momentum going so that they can, you know, hey, this is a little something because I always go back to how I started as a catering company, going to people's homes. I used products that were luckily certified by the city where I was at, at that time where I could go in uh do on-site catering and give and um provide uh, hot dogs for birthday parties we came in we provided everything returning <laughs> we had uh decorations we brought uh tables we had the crock pots we had the steamer we had everything that was needed and then when we were done we cleaned everything up and we took it with us so it was just like we weren't even there they did the parents didn't have to do anything we had the dogs the sides the chips the the drinks and So these the are
0: these are hot dogs you're talking about. Yes, so the name man, of your is business is
5: Gobble Dogs.
0: Gobble Dogs. So you yes, do a variety like of hot dogs. Right? Yes, ma'am. A
5: variety of turkey hot dogs. Turkey hot dogs, okay. <laughs> right. So, made, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. I was just gonna say that the premise of our scholarship was to even just to give those who were participants um just a hundred dollars it only cost me about 150 dollars to start my business and so i wanted these students to know that you don't have to go into debt to start a business you can have a little bit of seed money and start off small and then grow i have uh, modest growings, but i have you know here i am now with a food truck uh you know catering business and you know a kiosk that we're working at so we're let's, very proud
0: of our company That's called bootstrapping at its finest Yes, that's ma'am, way. and
5: we're able to give back
0: to our community. There so. you go. And that's the way. That's the way a lot of women start their businesses. Yes, ma'am. Barbara Absolutely. Bates, you know a little bit about that. Uh, let me ask you. I know you. Um, you're doing mass. Will mass become a part, a uh, division, perhaps, of Barbara Bates Designs? Will that be? Will that stay with it with you? Will that be permanent?
2: Um, I'd venture to say probably yes. It would. Um. Um, Can we
0: see some of the masks? I know you did some, you did some, eventually we did, you got to the designer mask. Right, now, exactly. So, yeah. Initially...
2: Initially when we started out the masks were pretty simple they weren't designer they didn't have prints but um now the masks that I make they're they're pretty like avant-garde I actually took a trip to New York I got on a flight that was totally full, not one seat. And when I got to the airport, there was nobody there. When I got on the plane, it was totally full going in and coming back. And I went and bought some of the decadent fabrics that I normally use for clothing. And I, I make designer masks. So I have a website that's set up with designer masks. And on the weekends, I open up to the public on Saturdays. And I let people come to the studio and buy masks. But I can't wait to get back to fashion. <laughs> I can't either. Can I, can I get the masks to match my, to match my suit? I'll do, I'll do that for a couple of people, but for the most part, no, I won't be doing that. Okay,
0: <laughs> all right, okay. It's
2: really not so, something that I want to do. As a matter of fact, making the mask has really afforded me the opportunity to not do as much custom as I used to. I get to dial it down, and, and it's something that I've always wanted to do, and so I'm looking forward to um, you know, not doing as much custom and letting people buy off the rack.
0: Oh, okay. So your business has shifted a bit.
2: It is, it is for sure. I got a lot more time behind me than I have in front of me and the time that's in front of me, I want to use it wisely and uh, I just want to like, I want to do what I want to do.
0: Okay, I hope you don't stop making clothes, Barbara. For (laughs) me, I
4: really (laughs) do. If you've
0: been a client who's been coming here, then you're
2: probably welcome back. If you haven't been here, then there's no need in coming. Yeah, (laughs) yeah.
0: So, Ms. Williams, will you continue to do Facebook interviews with uh, the fashion designers and um, um, with your Instagram and your Facebook? Will you continue that?
4: Yes, we will continue that. That's my business. In PR, uh, we've been getting a lot of new clients. Uh, On that side, it's been building up because we try to help clients, people navigate uh, this during this new landscape. So content is keen. Content, I love that you continue to do content. And I will also recommend the food truck owner to do content because people want to know what to do at home. So she used to do a catering company. So we do a lot of content on everything, whether it's hair, how to do our hair, how to do, what fun can you do with kids at home? So I recommend content is king. Do your IG um, or your uh, Instagram live on how oh, you can make food at home with their families those are all great content you'll build your brand you'll bring more visibility to you more people than the people that were there at your food truck so now you're expanding so we definitely i'm going to keep on with the content creation but we have been doing the events okay maybe next year (laughs) hopefully next year please next year please please (laughs) Please next year because i still love live events even though we're doing virtual And the Emerge Fashion Show, you know, New York Fashion Week happens twice a year. We finished the one in February, luckily in time before COVID. And now we're preparing for September. So I have to figure out if it's going to be a live event or is it going to be streaming or a hybrid, which is a little bit of both. Uh, So hopefully by the end of the quarter, um, the final quarter, we can have some live events, but we're all planning for live events for 2021.
0: Right, right. And, and we just got to wait and see what 2020 is. 2020 will be the year that was, right? <laughs> right. Nicole, what's the new normal for Chicago Distillery?
3: Um, so I think um, it's yet to kind of be determined what our tasting room is going to end up looking like. We do some smaller private events, so I think that will be a, a good thing for us. Um, you know, 10-person events, 15-person events where we do cocktail classes and education. Um, for us, you know, we, we uh, back in 2017, started canning our own cocktails, so ready to drink. And this year, we just launched a vodka seltzer line. So I think given um, the growth in that category, you know, 130% year over year in, in that category alone and how people have kind of changed their habits and um, just, I think, uh, people willing to kind of stay home or wanting to stay home a little bit more now and that, necessarily go out which you know half of our business is selling to bars and restaurants so you know while they get up on their feet again and and we partner with them on that side um we have our can cocktails that we can um allows for them to also use those as a you know zero touch you know here's a something that no one had to put their hands on outside of you know handing you a can that you can open yourself um or someone can do that same thing at home um by themselves, pour poured over a glass of ice so we see that kind of side of our business picking up and, and really steering our direction in that of kind of the do it yourself um, at home or, or
0: how do we partner the best with the bars and restaurants to give
3: them what they need as well.
0: So ladies, we've all been in business. We all sound like we uh, bootstrap startups. Uh, what have you learned about yourself as an entrepreneur? Cause I know I feel like I'm starting all over again. I mean, cause what I've done, and I've done the content, but moving from newspaper to online and now Zoom uh, and Facebook and so forth. But what have you learned about yourself as an entrepreneur? And um, Anna, I'm going to start with you. What, what have you learned about you as an entrepreneur?
5: Um, so I've learned I'm resilient. <laughs> <Huh>? I've <I'm> learned... <laughs> I've learned that, you know, when, when, um, you know, you just got to get back out here. And, you know, as I was listening to the young lady who was talking about, uh, the virtual parties, we actually do offer virtual parties. That was one of the things that we were also promoting, but, um, it gave me an opportunity to just kind of like look and revamp everything. Just like you were saying, you know, things aren't going to be the things that used to be the norm is no longer the norm, and so now we have to be innovative, we have to be creative in how we present things and try and draw people back into your, you know, to our customers back in.
0: Mm-hmm. So, Barbara Bates, what's your what's your new uh, what's your new way? What did you learn about Barbara Bates as an I'm
2: entrepreneur? Actually, I actually learned that. Um, that even though people know me as a fashion designer, that the most important thing for me has uh, these 34 years I've been in business are relationships. The relationships that I've garnered for the past 34 years are the things that have made me strong and to keep it moving today by not burning bridges and just by doing the right thing. The doors have opened up, the floodgates have opened up for me during a time when so many people are not having that opportunity. So I thank God for you know, good relationships, friends and family and customers.
0: Dion what's uh what did you learn about your business?
4: I learned I was more extroverted than I thought. I thrive <laughs> on interaction. I am having a hard time being at home. Um, so I've learned how to figure out how to do things at home. I got closer with, uh, core friends and, uh, more times with kids and family. And also just learning more about the business side, spending more time with my accountant because now that funds are different, just kind of learning, um, all of that, uh, that, that I needed to while I was busy going to event after event. So, um, it's, it's been a good time now. I'm just settling in. I'm just getting a little better. Um, it was hard for me for the first several months, but it's getting better now as I learned how to just kind of look within and enjoy what's around me, and how to how to pivot a bit
0: because you you created some new some new things and some new ways. That's yeah. exciting. Yes, definitely. It's also scary.
4: It's, <laughs> it's very scary, but yes, yeah, it's been a it's been a ride. That's all I got to say.
0: Noelle, what did you
4: learn about your
0: business, self? And you're, you're lucky, Noelle. You've got your, your, your husband's in business with you, right?
3: Well, he works a full-time job, so I run the business pretty much. And ah. he, um, he helps out where where needed. Um, you know, multitasking, obviously, we've all probably done that our entire careers. Um, you know, two boys at home now, homeschooling and, and managing that and managing a business. Um, I've learned to delegate a little bit more of to my, my staff um you know and know that i can't be everywhere at all at once when you're have two young sons at home that you're trying to teach um so that was an important lesson um and really you know analyzing your business every once in a while to um make sure you're headed in the right path and don't be afraid to to change direction um if you need to you know sanitizer wasn't something we had ever anticipated but that was an important thing for us to you know not only Contribute to the community, but also keep our business afloat. You know, I don't know that we would have been able to stay in business had that not been part of our um, plan.
0: Right. Yeah. So
3: those are all kind of you know be, be flexible. That's what
0: the that's what the pivot really means. Yeah. Is yeah. okay. What else can I do? I've got this structure here. Now what yeah. else can I do? So awesome. in addition to yeah. the the um, the pandemic, and then we have. Another pandemic. That's an epidemic, and that's the protesters. They come to town, and we see another episode. Um, Barbara, how did the protesters at all affect your business directly? Um,
2: I'm s- no I'm actually your- um, in terms of like um, uh, marches or something happening to my business. Um, no, I didn't have any problems with anything like uh, like that. Uh, it was something that I'd seen before because uh, I lived through uh, 1968, and I and I saw it before, but this time it just seemed to like you know hit my heart a little bit harder because um, you know there's so much stress stress in our lives right now, and to have that extra bit added on, it was um, it was much. Uh, yeah, it was, it was a lot. It was it was a lot. I found myself teary-eyed in my own home and I got my own problems to worry about, but now I got to worry about outside problems and things that go on and where to travel. Is it okay to travel that way? Is my business okay? You know, but um, I'm glad that we're on the other side of it. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that some of the perimeters, <laughs> my business set inside of those
0: and um, I'm just going to keep it moving. Anna, did you benefit from any of the government money, from the PPP money?
5: Um, I did receive a small grant, but uh, not enough (laughs) needed for uh, everything that was on. And of course, I used it strategically, just um, investing it back into the business. But, um, you know, I'm still working on trying to get those loans. Those were a little bit difficult for us. Mm -hmm. Um, I know that my lawyer had suggested he could go through and find which loans we uh, qualified for but you know looking at the amount and what it entailed I'm just like wow I can't afford all that as a small business owner but we're, you know but now there's a new grant or new loan that um, the city's put out and so I'm going to work on trying to get that one so we can get back and running but the great thing is is that you know we're um, it, it, it's not going to require our overhead is so low that mm-hmm. we won't have some of the problems that some of the other larger restaurants have, mm-hmm. so that's the one benefit that we have.
0: Okay. And Dion, did you did you benefit from any of the government dollars?
4: I did. I did receive. Oh, good. <laughs> really? Yeah. Well, as a, I was went back into the. You know, I had to go in and get the business, focus on the business. So I did receive the PPP and the receive the SBA loan and the economic injury whatever that grant was. I did receive <laughs> Go girl. Yay, Go yay. Girl. You, can,
0: you can, it makes it a little, uh, a little easier. Paul, did you, did you benefit from any of the government dollars? Uh, we were able to secure
3: a PPP loan. So um, that allowed us to keep our employees uh, working in the back of house with us. So, um, you know, that made us pretty happy to be able to keep, you know, Normally people who rely on hourly wages and, and tips um, and a pretty young staff, but still all very important to keep them working. So that's what we use those dollars for um, and, and have a couple more weeks on that. So we're excited to, that we were able to secure that and, and use it for that reason.
0: What advice would you ladies give to a new entrepreneur at this time? Because a, a lot of businesses are going to die from COVID, but a lot of businesses are going to enter. We're going to see some new businesses, be it masks, be it hand sanitizer, um, some new ways of doing business. What would you what would your advice be to a new business person coming into business at this time? Barbara, what would you what would you tell a new business person entering?
2: Um, I mean, I mean, mean, that's like, that's like so, so broad. It would really just depend on what it is because if it's something, um, you want to stay truthful. You want to be true to the product and what the product is. You don't want to bust anybody's bubble or you don't want to shatter anybody's dream. And a lot of times young people, you know, will come up with ideas that, you know, and sometimes we know that that, that business is not going to fly, but I'm not one that likes to you know, discourage somebody from moving on to whatever their thoughts or their dreams are because if I had died and come back a million times, I never thought that I would be making masks. And I guess I just, you just have to tell somebody that whatever product it is you're making, you want to just be, try to be the best at the product that you're making. Try to make the best product that you can possibly make. Try to make sure that you're doing it for the right reason and that the can stand up to scrutiny. Sometimes when you're doing stuff yourself and it's not made through a big company, people want to inspect it and turn it inside out because they figure that there's got to be something made wrong with it if it's a do-it-yourself, which is you know sort of what a small business is, more or less not a do-it-yourself, not a big General Motors, but at the end of the day, just putting forth a great product that will stand the test of time.
0: And that's where you should be focused at. And so you did. You did. Your mask went to um, Mount Sinai Hospital and went to. Police, um, did 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 others come to you? Initial, yeah, actually, the initial
2: product went to the hospitals and to the police department, and then um, the mayor put out uh, for a contract for one million masks, and I was afforded to uh, the opportunity to um, to get a contract for that as well. So making masks for the city, and then with all of the publicity that I received. And you know the work that I've done in the past in terms of you know just being somebody who people know for great fabric and decent fashion, and people came to me for the fashion mass. So it's been something that um I, that I just never saw coming. But the fact that I get to do like multiples, I get to do mass as in M A S S mass production. I have people that are cutting thousands of a product at one time, and you know with custom it's just one one one. Right. And I like the fact of seeing thousands. The money is much smaller, but the return is just as big, if not greater. And I like the fact that people that don't have like huge tailoring skills can still come and they can join in on this. There are machines that can do some of the work that the people are doing to make the mask. But I strongly believe that manufacturing needs to stay right in the United States. I am totally against going out of the country just to get a cheaper price. Yeah, it's gonna cost you more to have it made here, but the money will circulate in our community, in our state, in the U.S.
0: We're a stronger, better community for it. Because that was that was a problem. We really got caught into a distribution problem that we had to wait for another country to give us what we absolutely needed as an essential product. So absolutely. I'm so glad to see you this I hope that
2: work. people realize that. I hope that people definitely right. realize right. we need to start manufacturing right back here. We need right. to grab some of our young people in the community and teach them some of the manufacturing skills that some of us are doing right now.
0: I think that's a big lesson that uh American business has uh, has learned. Dion, what would you tell that new young person uh going into business? What what advice might you
4: give? Uh well I will tell them I talk to you know young people all the time about starting businesses and I just tell them first of all super hard. I think Um, I would reconsider if I had to go back. (laughs) I really would. But uh, just make sure that the structure of your business, all the foundation is there. And not just, you know, going out because you're trying to be Instagram, have Instagram Instagram posts and seem like a boss. But uh, just make sure that the foundation of your business uh, is is secure. And I would say, um, you know, job, um, you know, the, consider keeping that job until the, your business is really making the money it can for you to, um, to sustain for, you know, a period of time. Cause something like this, which hit us unexpectedly, uh, yes. we had to be ready and have space savings to be able to get going. So um, that's what I would uh, recommend.
0: Make money, but also save it for the rainy day that might come that you don't cause no, nobody saw this coming. I mean, you just were not prepared for this in no shape. No. Form or fashion the uh, the force of the external force. The force came upon us. That's it. <laughs> it came upon us. Nicole, what would you what would you tell that new distiller? What 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 would you say do or not do? Uh,
3: I think first, first of and
0: foremost,
3: make sure it's something that you love. You know, I think that what got us through all of this. I think for many of us was we are doing something that we love and have a passion for. Um, and then you know. Make sure you're ready to hustle because I think also when this happened, um, you know, I looked everywhere around me and and the partnerships I had formed with people, which is extremely important, the network of um, women that I surround myself with who are, you know, partners in in operating our business in different facets and forms. um, You looked around and saw how everyone was just hustling and you really have to be willing to do that, I think, to, you know, love what you're doing um, in order to do that. You know, and you hustle, and and make sure you're surrounding yourself with right people who are, you know, like-minded, and um, you know will support you when when things kind of turn out like this, um, and you support them in turn. So I think that's all really important things to make sure when, anyone going into business.
0: When I started business, the uh, the accountant who did my business plan, when he handed me the final business plan, he says. Now you're about to enter a whole new world with new friends because your friends that you have now are not going to be your friends any longer. And I was like, oh, no, that's not going to happen. He says, you're not going to want to hear about their issues and they are not going to want to hear about your business. And I didn't believe that. I thought that was you know, I thought it was sexist. I thought it was very cold. I thought it was like, how dare you say something like that? And then about a year later, I called him and said, my goodness, you were so right, because my girlfriends were talking about how to make a cake, what kind of underwear they should buy for their husbands. And I mean, just silly. And I just thought, oh, my God, this and and I was talking about, well, you know, I got to sell two more ads. And then I'll be secured and all that. And they were like, what is she talking about? So you get weird. So, I mean, we're friends. We're still friends. Yeah. But uh, the relationships, that is absolutely the truth. It does, um, it, Herbie, changes. it changes.
4: Herbie? Yes, ma'am. I would say also to uh, relationships, but also people who, mentors, people who are in a business that you can uh, talk to and get information from. So I have been fortunate to have many of those which include yourself and yeah. your um, many so many people in Chicago who were business who are business icons who I looked to and studied throughout the years helped me tremendously.
0: So that means you gonna give me and Barbara our money back. We're gonna get refunds <laughs> since we were mentors too. <laughs> you uh, you've grown so nicely. I'm so proud of you that you uh, that you have grown and mentoring I guess that's the thing we should talk about. Mentoring is so important. You know, when you go to business school and they give you all of the um, techniques and strategies and so forth, but one of the, and and of course your money and banking and all that, but really one of the most important and I think valuable things that can happen for you in business is the hands-on mentoring. For somebody to say, no, let's not do it like this, let's do it like that, let's take the idea, let's perfect it a little bit more. Mentoring is so important. It's important for you to be mentored, but then I hear all of you all saying that you have mentored somebody, and that's uh, it's very important to do. It's critical. It's critical to success, because what we all now can teach is, you might be going down the road doing one thing, and you might have to shift. You might have to turn the corner and stop making clothes and start making masks or stop having the event at the hall or the pretty restaurant or the beautiful hotel, how do I do it virtually? How do I do the, um, um, the kiosk? How do I shift to the truck? How do we stop making liquor and start making Santa? If somebody would have had this conversation Five years ago, with all of us, we probably would have said, "Now that person's really crazy. That is not going to happen. That is impossible. and so on. But here we are. It's our reality. So we have new realities, we've got new um we've got new businesses, we've got new divisions in businesses, we've got new ways in uh, business, so and 2020 will go down as the year that was, and I thank you all for being with us to share your experiences uh, which is very healthy and wealthy and good luck and god bless us all
4: thank you thank, thank you thank you, thank
0: you.